don't even know what the cold open is. Ah, uh, no either. Uh, <laughs> Forget it, Jake. It's dog poop. <laughs> That's an inside joke for uh, the podcasters. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. Well, we see it today. Who's to say? I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Remiana, and who is to say? Who is to say? I, oh, wait, I'm getting a text message. We need to talk in person it's from ice welcome to the academy (laughs) from the grave (laughs) Uh, the man himself we were talking about the idea of um like one of the innovations that probably will come with ai is like um from the grave cameos it's already happening yeah so it's like i get get a message (laughs) robert f kennedy senior He's, he's, oh. he's wishing me happy birthday. Oh, you and meant he, uh, I meant cameos is in the uh, the website. Cameos. The website, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Like getting yes. messages like Chester A. Arthur, uh, happy Father's Day. <laughs> oh no, yeah. There's yeah. There's ways you can use badly, wait, badly too. Yes, there are some. Yes. There are some troubling people certainly who could be cameoed but yeah I, like it yeah. for robert f kennedy it's like happy birthday don and also don't trust my son <laughs> 50 years from now don't trust my son it's like that movie frequency or something i'm getting radio calls from the future yeah oh, the this is like this is very accurate ai like it's able to Mm. respond to what's happening yeah i think that's gonna happen definitely ai cameos i think it's gonna be like blade runner 2049 where you where you'll get like the little like um dipstick with someone on it but then uh yeah it'll be like yeah that's the one thing blade runner 2049 didn't predict was like they just thought it was gonna be hot people no your ai it would no it's going to be like famous people like celebrities are going to be you're gonna be hanging out with jfk and shrek like i'm gonna be able to finally play cards with like james dean and marilyn monroe and humphrey bogart you know you know you know that you know the great painting oh yeah this that's great this all this uh all those famous people yeah 100 yeah like boy all gone too soon but not anymore (laughs) yep yep uh man i can't wait to finally uh have a uh, steak cooked by Mikhail Gorbachev. Yeah. <laughs> He's making it for uh, me and Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> and Goku. Because <laughs> fictional characters are also invited. Fictional animated uh, characters, of course, at this dinner. Oh, yeah. 100%. Those are coming before the historical figures. Absolutely. Uh, so it's the 4th of July, and uh, we've timed this appropriately for the most American possible movie that we could cover. Uh, the 2022 sensation Top Gun Maverick, mm. directed by Joseph Kaczynski and produced by, among others, Jerry Bruckheimer. And this is also our final Visionary Alliance episode. And what a what a ride it's been. Mm. I was thinking back, I mean... Patrick and I were talking about Thief of Hearts the other day, thinking oh. about Flashdance, thinking about the ride these guys went on and how they both how they kind of um invented the way like summer movies went down. Yeah. For quite an extended period of time. They may have who's to say if they were like 
they just dumbed it down or they were the they flicked the domino that began the cycle we're on um but it is interesting because basically Bruckheimer where we left off on him was we watched what was it was it remember the tight what was our last remember the titans and um gone in 60 seconds Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, National Treasure. Mm. Okay, so that's Pearl Harbor, of course. Oh, <laughs> God, yeah, forget? tried to... <laughs> okay, we tried to <laughs> memory hole that one. Yeah, no, um, no. And he got on basically his run, so he makes King Arthur uh, with Antoine Fuqua in 2004, which will be covered in a later episode. Makes Deja Vu in 2006 with our man Tony Scott, previously covered on a very strong episode before. Uh, 2006, another banner year, and a very, like, bruckheimer year. He does Deja Vu. He does Glory Road, which is essentially, remember, the Titans, but basketball. Oh. Um, uh, and Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, the sequel to the Pir and it's a sensational sequel. 2007, he does two more sequels, National Treasure Book of Secrets and Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. 2009, he, quieter year, mm -hmm. makes Confessions of a Shopaholic, which I've not seen, but I think is trying for that, um, gunning for that Coyote Ugly, like, more feminine crowd, which has never yeah. been his, like, strong suit but doesn't quite doesn't quite uh know how to crack that nut unfortunately a for effort though why not yeah hey, uh, isla fisher she's great yeah he makes a film called uh g-force oh yeah that's the guinea pig movie <laughs> it's an animated kids movie about guinea pigs in 2009 i don't even know what this is like I, like <laughs> the, the furthest from my radar in 2009 yeah. I, mean, I, I just remember it is it's a movie that exists i think um if i remember correctly i think nicholas cage plays a guinea pig that um sounds sounds about right yeah uh, and you know they're probably it's probably not we should great also, we should also know during this time period he's still like absolutely like killing it on tv with the csi without a trace amazing race that all kind of rhymed uh franchises he did this show called cold case that was somehow on for seven years oh yeah um a lot of cbs shows that if you weren't like 45 years old or older in 2007 to 2010 you probably never saw <laughs> yeah i mean until like Taylor Sheridan uh, sauntered onto the stage like Jerry Bruckheimer was pretty much like the like one of the few like middle America whispers yeah. like he would make just like television that you know so 40 I, I, million, like, I don't yeah. think it's ever happened before with a producer it's happened with actors and if you hear about it with like pro wrestlers and stuff like that you mm -hmm. live so much in like the characters that you're creating you become them and you lose fat focus on like real oh, life man. versus your fiction so like you know how like like john wayne thought he was like a real cowboy yeah. or like you hear about wrestlers like fred the hitman heart thought he was this like canadian hero you know like yeah. hulk hogan like all those guys did mm -hmm. i think taylor sheridan has done that for this like libertarian cowboy persona 
Oh, Taylor. I think he like thinks he is like one of the Dutton family at this because like, yeah. I don't think he was originally a guy who wore cowboy hats to every press conference and that kind of thing that he did, but he is now. Yeah, I think uh, I think he got recently um, uh, accepted or inaugurated. I don't know the correct phrasing for. It. I think he was recently um, in inducted there we go he was inducted mm-hmm. into the cowboy hall of fame in texas and i think once that happened i think the dam broke and yeah like, yeah I, like the, the myth and the man became one yeah there was a guy who wrote like went from a, like a guy who got writes wrote some nice yarns for a group a uh, group of viewers who are not as serviced the last 15 years to like this weird like Fox News demigod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, he's a middle America uh he's a middle America god emperor. He's like Yeah, uh, I think he yeah. thinks yeah, he thinks he's like you know, the same vein of like how Vin Diesel talks about how the Fast and the Furious movies are like the mythology of our times or even how no one can tell the difference getting back to today's topic between tom cruise and any character he plays at this point yeah and truly one of the most fascinating uh his persona needs to be like studied Mm -hmm. because it is so the world he's able to craft for himself particularly like his skydance era yeah like once he kind of started doing his own thing and it truly just kind of became like yeah, you could Ethan Hunt and uh, Maverick, even Maverick, like yeah, they're all they're all just the same. They're guy. variations on Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. but also it's like it's weird because he's like everyone knows about. We'll get we're kind of bouncing here. We'll get into more Tom Cruise because he's a huge figure in today's episode. But mm-hmm. um, like that tweet he put out with him and Christopher McQuarrie holding up the their tickets to Indiana Jones and Oppenheimer and Barbie that we shared around and then i saw greta gerwig and margot robbie did their own version of it as well <laughs> but everyone sees it's like he's a lunatic but at the same time you're like i love it i buy it you're like <laughs> like mr you are mr movies like <laughs> yeah, his, his brain cracked at some point but it cracked in a very fascinating way and it, in some ways beneficial like and mr I, movies is nice and I like how Christopher McQuarrie seems to be his director, producer, writer, and perhaps caretaker. Yeah, like eternal point. character to Tom Cruise. <laughs> like he's with him all the time. <laughs> like I watched the behind the scenes on Top Gun Maverick, and there's like photos of them walking tarmacs in like matching aviator jumpsuits together. Like I wonder if he comes to him for all sort like a relationship advice, like all mm. sorts of. Because by all accounts, like Christopher McQuarrie seems to be leading a very normal, yet successful life. Yes, like but well, also, did, did, he hangs he hangs out with this guy, who he seems to be the one person ever to understand completely. And well, did, God, did we talk? Did we talk about it on a previous episode too? How like Christopher McQuarrie is previous guy. Yeah, Mom, yeah, and so now it's like you know he jumped ship. He had to find a. He, he seems to seat. be he he seems to be able to normalize, at least for a spell, these guys who are living in space practically. You know, oh, yeah. And I, I would I would assume Tom Cruise will be among the first people to colonize space. 
Oh, yeah, he's up there for sure. Okay. He will, um, yeah, he will. James Cameron and Tom Cruise will make a movie about the first, like, they'll make a remake of The Martian, but then they'll actually do it on Mars. And James, Yeah, and James Cameron will discover some sort of way to, like, <laughs> farm more than potatoes at on Mars. And, like, it's actually better for you. You should try this organic, like, whatever I'm making, this organic thing. And everyone will be like, yeah, Jim, you're right. Yeah. Anyway, Jerry Bruckheimer. In 2010 and 2010, 2011, 2013, though, mm. the Bruckheimer touch begins to get begins to get a little long in the tooth. 2010, he makes Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, the ill-fated video game adaptation with um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Ooh, yeah, not a good movie. Uh, not successful, not, you know, yeah, it's, and forgotten. Yeah. Please. Directed by Mike Newell, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting yeah. guy. Uh, who did our beloved Donnie Brasco. Yeah, the Brask man. Oof. Uh, then he makes a film called The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which for the sake of science almost got added to our um our roster of movies to watch just for another we needed another bizarre cage performance. It just couldn't yeah. squeeze it. We couldn't really reason with ourselves to put this one in. Came and went though. Yeah. Uh, Twenty eleven comes Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, the first non Gore Verbinski pirates movie. This one directed by Rob Marshall. This one also does not include uh, Orlando Bloom or Kira Knightley. This one also was the first pirates movie I never saw. Yep. The first of many. The first of whatever, (laughs) however many followed. Who cares? Uh, But he did reunite with Gore Verbinski on the um, another one. I don't know this. I think this one has got too many landmines, despite the fact I'm interested in it. I just don't really want to deal with it, which is, of course, 2013's The Lone Ranger, directed by Gore Verbinski. Uh, Uh, There's too many factors, too many like scabs it is like i don't want to like i don't want to touch yeah you know i just don't really feel like it i don't know about you there's it is like a movie i don't want to discuss it on the podcast i just don't need that in my life uh as a curio though that i would maybe perhaps watch on my own there are it has its fan it has its fans that's what i'm yeah Yeah. and and gore verbinski is a good director like it's a good he's an interesting so like i think like yeah it is yeah (laughs) everything surrounding it is seems bad but i don't know i I, i'm curious to say the least yeah but so it's interesting so essentially the these movies don't do well and brook his first look deal with Disney, the Bruckheimer touch is not looking as good. Ooh. And so he, re- so in 2014, after these disappointments, he has, does not have his deal renewed. And you wonder to yourself at 70 years old at this point, is Jerry Bruckheimer like, has he lost touch? Has he lost his mojo? And he starts looking kind of, and this is around the time that we were discussing in the Unstoppable episode where he gets back in touch with Tony Scott, back in touch with Tom Cruise. And they start taking a look at the Paramount deal with not only a new Top Gun movie, but a new Beverly Hills Cop movie. And he's kind of 
going back to the. Ooh, he's going back to the. And this is also keep in mind. This is like we got As... Tron Legacy is already out. All these other. All yeah, the the nostalgia, the. The millennials entering into the workforce and finding things not as positive. Yeah. The whole like, oh, I either can choose between owning a house or having a family. Like all of these elements yeah. the millennials are facing. Or or uh, door three, I can just hang out with my friends, uh, Slimer and Indiana yes. Jones and and Luke Skywalker <laughs> and even Ivanka. like weirder ones that like going even into like things like Blade Runner and like that I mean we're, and we're still f- feeling it now I mean Gladiator 2 is like in production mm. right now and this whole feeling of like I want my stories <laughs> to remind me of a better time <laughs> and to make me feel warm and safe <laughs> with the characters that I love this is also getting a streaming and when like Friends and the office and stuff like that just became on an endless loop. Yeah, people stopped watching new television. Yes. <laughs> like, and they just like got with their friends, whether it's G- Office Jim or mm. Bar- Barney of How I Met Your Mother or, <laughs> or Ross. <laughs> yeah, or Barney the, the dinosaur. Or Bar- even going all the way back to that, and like, and it, it is this like almost like desired like, and you see it with like this argument of like, I don't want R-rated movies. I don't want sex scenes in movies that you're seeing from millennials and younger. They don't want to be. F- they don't even want to be like have like anything heavy put in front of them that has consequences, at all. Mm-hmm. And it's because, of course, it's a re- natural reaction to the endless hopelessness and endless feedback loop of the internet mm-hmm. that they're stuck they're stuck on because they were made to get smartphones. Yep, the morass they're made witness to on a daily basis. <laughs> so I look at like certain people on Twitter, and I look them up on Google and click on it. I don't log in to Twitter. Mm-hmm. I just like, oh, I want to see what you know. I don't know what, like Sean Fantasy the Ringer has to say about something, or what right. the Pure Cinema podcast or the DVD. What's What's Glenn Kenny up to? Yeah, exactly. It, but I guess like in the last two days, we're recording this on Sunday, July second. That's not allowed anymore. You have oh. to log into Twitter. So I haven't looked at anything in the last two days at all. Ooh. And at first, I was like, oh, am I going to miss something? And then I started to reflect. I'm like, how much could I really miss on the stuff that I was already looking up? Like the a DVD news, somebody do it, dropping in for a spaced out Q&A at the New Beverly. Like those are like pretty much all I would miss. So it's liberating, Patrick. That's what I'm getting Ooh. at. It's. I mean, honestly, like. You know, I, I bet you can get like 95% of your DVD stuff off of like Reddit or something, or even just like a specialized forum. Or even a text from Jesse that this is coming out. Yeah, that's all you need. Jesse <laughs> yeah. is basically like a human a human DVD yeah. forum. So yeah, you're good. <laughs> he'll, he'll let me know. So it's it's very liberating. But I yeah. but for most other people, like I understand, I do, despite the fact I want new stuff and I'm not like, I do think this nostalgia thing is dangerous for art. Mm-hmm. In a big, big way, I get it. 
Oh, I get it too. Like, get I it. like, I like, uh, I, I, I go back to my old stuff. And I think that like, I think there is a hundred percent a level of that that's healthy because, you know, we all like, I, I think it's fair to like stuff from your past and like occasionally like, like, I think, we're human. yeah, <laughs> I think it's a good, I know, I just, I think living in it is a dangerous thing. Yeah, that's when it gets better. When you like when that's when, all the only option. Yeah, when you're suddenly you're making you're like the original. You call yourself like the true Ghostbuster, and you're making YouTube videos wearing a proton pack. That's when things have <laughs> gone yeah, down. And I'm getting really, really upset. <laughs> yeah, like at the lady at like the lady Ghostbusters or something like that. Weimer should not be allowed to fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like like her make out with that, the ladies. That, that's that's when I would tell you grow up. But um, yeah, find yeah, actually find like religion, like go or go on a spiritual journey. Go do something, do something. Go go like a uh, walk, touch grass. You know, go to yeah. a charity. Go to like fold blankets for a bit, my dude. Just, yeah, just get some air. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, interestingly enough, of June of 2016, Jerry Bruckheimer uh, television ended their 15-year exclusive pack with Warner Brothers Television, although he signed on with CBS Television Studios the very next year. Definitely, this is a time of transition, and I, I have a feeling, even in his like heart of hearts, I mean, I'm sure he's a very confident man. I don't mm-hmm. doubt that. Uh, he's um, wondering is my, like, when he's, when I'm standing on top of the Paramount Mountain like planting <laughs> planting flags over and over again is my time at the top of this mountain over mm-hmm. uh he did as we've brought up a few times before by 2018 he invested in the seattle based nhl expansion team the seattle kraken he is um he he is an owner of the seattle kraken who had a very successful mm-hmm. or off to a very successful start and he's rumored that he might be a part of the hopefully big fingers crossed return of the Seattle Supersonics basketball yeah. team too. Um, he is currently an independent guy, as far as I know. In 2020, his first look deal with Paramount was not renewed, as well. He produced because in 2019 he produced Gemini Man for Paramount oh, for Ang Lee, the Will Smith movie, which I never saw and I was interested in. Was mm-hmm. not a success though. Well, I've I've heard that like if you watch that in like the proper frame rate and like all if you do all the if you jump through all the necessary hoops to watch that movie, the action scenes are like incredible. But then everything sure. else around it are is pretty like you know middle. I'm sure, and like a like a next level talented great filmmaker in Angley who seems to have um, mm-hmm. gone firmly up the ass of technology. Yeah, he's kind of. It's so funny. He went the Zemeckis route, which is yeah, very weird. That is yeah. so weird. It's so crazy that the guy who made like the wedding banquet. <laughs> I know, or like the ice storm, or something like that. Like, yeah, or, or obviously Brokeback Mountain, which did not rely on um special effects yeah. or like well, tech. I mean, maybe it's like because he got uh, rewarded for Life of Pi so thoroughly i don't know that's like a yeah. which also hey to bring it back uh dp of uh life by claudia miranda who is um joseph kaczynski's main man did you know that uh jerry brockheimer's four favorite films did you know they are the godfather the french oh. connection goodwill hunting and the 400 blows 
interesting uh, interesting fun fact about Jerry yeah. Bruckheimer there. A, that is like a fascinating. I like you know it, it's funny that like the first three you're like okay Godfather of course French Connection oh that makes sense Goodwill mm-hmm. Hunting that's a little off the beaten path I guess for like a big older filmmaker but then like Farter Blows all right but. Obviously, I think, though, Jerry Bruckheimer is a lifer, and despite the fact he's now having success in sports, and we mentioned he's invested in a lot of, like, real estate, and he's diversified, and he's worth, like, a billion bucks, mm-hmm. he's, uh, there is a part of Jerry Bruckheimer that still wants the, na- he wants the juice, he wants the action, he wouldn't have been in the game, <laughs> Yes, you know, the action is the juice it's true. for Jerry I've, Bruckheimer. I've heard that in many ways. And so uh, following Tony Scott's passing in 2012, the future was uncertain, Mm -hmm. but Bruckheimer was committed to it. And he was not only was Tom Cruise very interested in it, despite his book. This is a lot of stories here, but um, Val Kilmer was speaking up on being interested in it as well. Mm. So meanwhile, Tom Cruise is an interesting point of his career at the, during this time period around 2012, because he, I think there's also questions on his stardom mm-hmm. and where he stood. He jumped on the couch in 2005 well, on the War of the Worlds press tour, which kind of, and the Scientology stuff was really coming to yeah. four and the public begin to think oh this is a weird thing this is weird right yeah well it's he also see, like the... he seems weird and this <laughs> seems weird yeah that's like the peak of like i feel like there were like a lot of like in the odds there were a lot of like a fortune like anonymous would do a lot of like weird like strikes against mm-hmm. uh back when like fortune wasn't entirely associated with like the most Coolish, yeah, coolish creatures of all time. There was still like some people feigning some kind of uh, notion of justice, yeah, albeit briefly. And the 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 book going clear came out, oh and then God, the yeah. which great, fascinating great book, great book, yeah, great book, worth, great worthwhile book. read, yeah. And then yeah, the doc soon thereafter, and it was it wasn't great, and so. And what he was also finding was outside of the safe comfort zone of his Mission Impossible movies, mm-hmm. um, his attempts to go outside the box were not like capturing audiences' attention. He makes films post War of the Worlds like Lions for Lambs. He does Tropic Thunder, which was certainly a success him but it didn't like open the door for him just to be like a comedic actor for well, yeah i think like the the thing about that movie is i think the success of that movie was that it was like a like we got this guy like i don't think yeah. there was any expectation i don't think tom cruise wants to go i think he's he's down to do that role like once or twice <laughs> yeah and also in a way he makes valkyrie with brian singer also written by christopher mccory mm. now christopher mccory won the best Screenplay, Oscar for the usual suspects, a respected guy within the industry. He's got a great Twitter feed where he gives like tips on screenwriting careers and stuff like that. Uh, he just started just joined Letterbox too. He's a good follow on Letterbox as well. He's like reviews everything he watches. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and, but usually good it. things like they're older movies. He doesn't do. He's got that good mindset that also Quentin Tarantino has of like don't 
talk about new movies. Don't talk about your peers. Just talk about old movies and Yeah, that kind he's, of deal. he's not going to be reviewing the Super Mario Brothers movie anytime soon. You know, Cruz is miscast as a German <laughs> assassin of Hitler, clearly. yeah, that's a weird, that's a weird, uh, it's a stretch for Tom, to say the least. But he develops a relationship with Christopher McQuarrie, who seems to get um, Tom Cruise. And he, the first time they are brought together is Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Now, Christopher McQuarrie is not credited, but he was brought in for the save on that screenplay by Wow. Cruise. And if you remember, Cruise is at this point considered kind of old news, poison or whatever. And meanwhile, Jeremy Renner is the up and coming actor of the moment in 2011. He's coming off of Hurt Locker. He's got cast in the Avengers. He gets cast in this. And they're basically designing this movie for Jeremy Renner to take over the Mission Impossible series from Tom Cruise. Apparently, Christopher McQuarrie comes in, though, and goes, the biggest air here is sidelining Tom Cruise for Jeremy Renner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I obviously, honestly, prescient when you consider another franchise. J Jeremy Renner got the the yes, range too. some more a spy franchise that didn't go as well either. And Chris McQuarrie re-centers it on Ethan Hunt. Hmm. Makes makes our man Tom Cruise happy. <laughs> Guess what? Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol is a huge hit. Massive success. Everyone loves it. And it's, beca and it's also the first one to kind of give this idea that let's do, let's make Tom do something insane. Because this is the one where he hangs, hangs off that building. Oh, yeah, the Burj Yeah. Al-Khalifa or whatnot. Yeah. Huge Yeah. success. Uh, Mm. 2012, they make He makes Tom Cruise makes Rock of Ages another like Tropic Thunder esque stretch. Doesn't hurt his career too much, but it also at the same Yeah. time it's like nobody really cares. Yeah. Um, 2012, he makes Jack Reacher, written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, attempt Oh, yeah. at another franchise. Um, I've never read the Jack Reacher books, but apparently, by all accounts, Jack Reacher is like a, looks far more like say John Cena than Yeah, Tom Cruise. I think that character is supposed to be like six four or something. Yeah, he, yeah, like a beast, and Tom <laughs> Cruise is not. Um, yeah, does well, they okay. got like. Mm -hmm. the The genius casting of Werner Herzog as the villain in Jack Reacher is probably the most noteworthy item Yeah, of that movie. that's that's a cool that's a cool thing to have in your pocket. But in 2013, Cruise makes the sci-fi picture Oblivion, which puts him in touch with producer director Joseph Kaczynski. Now, Joseph Kaczynski, this is his second movie following Tron Legacy. Uh, he came up through the world of special effects. And interestingly enough, he's a trained architect. And that's what he went to college for. And that's his kind of bread and butter. And does that not make sense if you think about his entire thing? That makes a lot. He and then yeah, and the VFX background too. There's like a lot going. This is like a he. He is the new generation. He is the next He is, type. yeah. The ne the next the next species of uh, journeyman Yeah, if director. we yeah, if we talked about like Denny Villeneuve being on the very high end 
of like a studio insider of that. Joseph Kaczynski's like a right down the middle kind of guy because yeah. he's a nerd. Mm-hmm. For lack of a, and I don't mean that in a derogatory no. or negative sense. Like a good way. He's way, yeah. thinking about these things, not in this like. He's not Paul Schrader and Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro losing their minds while creating Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Like going into <laughs> all of their deepest and darkest like fears and angers yeah. and that kind of thing. It's not his thing. Like he seems like a completely well adjusted, like yeah. frankly, kind of businessy almost kind of guy. You know? Honestly, like, like if you could like you know, I as much as I, it seems healthier in some respects. Like it seems like a better way. Well, you make better art. Who's to say? But it's at least the very pro- least. It's probably healthier. Everyone walks away at the end of the day feeling fulfilled and safe. Yeah, which... Pro- probably don't stay up like all hours on set either. Oh, that's true. That is actually yeah. true. It's probably a much healthier set environment. And but he hits it off with Cruz. So Cruz moves on to Edge of Tomorrow, which doesn't do well at the box office, but has found a beloved new life on video and VOD. And it's considered a sci-fi gem of the last 10 years. That one, of course, had uh, Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, the original writers. Christopher McQuarrie came on and did another polish on that one. Uh, Moves right into Rogue Nation. Which is uh, Mission Another Mission Impossible. This is the first written and directed by Macquarie. Mission Impossible. He's directed all of them since this time. Mm. Which gets away from the Mission Impossible joys of weird directors taking a go at them. Now they have a very uniform feel. There's no John Woo Mission Impossible anymore, which is too bad. Yeah, it is like... um... The sacrifice of um, aesthetics, uh, differences, and, you know, seeing, like, a a director, uh, even someone as kind of, uh, uh, you know, unliked by us as J.J. Abrams, like, it's still interesting to see, like, like just what they do with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Seeing, like, a a unique take. And so, you know, maybe one day they'll bring that back. Honestly, they probably won't, at least for that franchise. But, you know. So he always kind of goes up, but then like 2016, 2017, he does Jack Reacher, never go back. Arguably the lowest point of career, his career in 2017, that mummy reboot. That universal dark universe never happened. Boy, in a dream mm. world, it could have, in a dream world, could have, could have, could have seen it. Boy. Where Javier Bardem would have played, uh, was it Frankenstein he was going to play? I can't remember. Like, yeah, we're, Bizarre. we're, well, I, I do remember Russell Crowe was going to be Mr. Hyde and Dr. Yeah. Jekyll. Yes, he was. Hmm. Boy. Hmm. Boy. Makes you think. Uh, <laughs> and he makes uh, 2017 with, he makes American Made. The, mm-hmm. Which I never saw. It looked kind of fun, though. Yeah. The, uh, well, the same director as Edge uh, of Yeah, another Doug, Ly- Doug Lyman, another Cruise Whisperer. And they're planning, apparently, this movie where they're going to go to space and actually shoot in space. <laughs> would be uh, so funny if Doug Lyman ended up being the Mars guy. 2018, though, is the kind of the all is forgiven year for Tom Cruise. But it also is the year where I think he may have given up on trying anything different ever again. Yeah. Which is with Mission Impossible Fallout, which is a smash success and kind of like it ruled. I saw it opening weekend. I love Mission Impossible Fallout. And it's got all these stunts and he's hanging off of like 
the helicopter and doing cliff fights and Henry Cavill's doing that move where he like reloads oh, his arms, which is uh undeniably badass. I forgot that like Henry Cavill was the heavy in that movie. Yeah, he's and he's so... pretty good. He's got that good mustache that and you remember the mustache they wouldn't let him uh shave <laughs> like they the Mission Impossible people wouldn't let him shave when he had to go to like Superman. Uh, yeah, they so had they to must... spend like 1.5 million dollars on digitally altering his mustache truly ludicrous truly, truly ludicrous but on the set of mission impossible fallout is when tom cruise is visited by joseph kaczynski who has an idea and he presents a lookbook a fake poster and the title top gun maverick to his um to Cruz and simultaneously Christopher McQuarrie is there with the concept that perhaps we should not just have Maverick be a supporting character in Top Gun Maverick. He should be the lead. <laughs> it, a mentor figure? I don't think so. Cruz contacts the head of Paramount and requests to make the film. Thus, we get on the road, Joseph Kaczynski has replaced Tony Scott. The band, though, is back together. But with some new players. Hmm. The players... I feel like like Howie's Booth and McGruber, but the players are the same. (laughs) 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 Game game has changed, McGruber. Uh, So they bring in... Also, I think, as you mentioned, they bring in David Ellison and Skydance Films to co-fund this thing. Skydance Films has become kind of... um, It's interesting, the two Ellison kids who wanted to be a part of Hollywood. David Ellison, like, I want to make Terminator movies and blow them up movies. And Megan Ellison's like, I want to work with Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Oh, man. Both. It's so... Both of them who are the 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 children of Larry Ellison, who yeah. is currently currently funding Tim Scott's political campaign oh, right now geez. for president. That's an interesting little treat. Little treat. Little treat. <laughs> little little treat. treat for you. And so <laughs> what a fascinating world we live what in. What a fascinating world. Um <laughs> a ton of people. So Top Gun Maverick has a story by Peter Craig and Justin Marks, screenplay by Aaron mm. Kruger. Eric Williamsinger and Christopher McQuarrie mm. credits. None of those five people were probably ever in a room together once would be a safe assumption. Uh, it, it's produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, Tom Cruise, Christopher McQuarrie, and David Ellison. Mm. The And I do love, though, that the opening credit is a Simpson Bruckheimer production they give yeah. Don Simpson credit to in the opening of the movie which I do but also begins so this was my I'm going to look it up real quick this I have watched this movie a lot mm. um, uh, I like it yeah. I guess we'll put it that way I, but I, so I th- I've, I'm just pulling up my letterbox stats on my phone right now to give an idea of how many times I've seen this movie but Back to our kind of conversation about nostalgia. I've seen this movie four times since May of 2022. Uh, I mean, that is that's a lot. That's not like yeah, crazy, it but it's but it's a lot. It's a lot. That's like uh, if you watched it like two or three more times, you'd be entering the crazies. But four is like respectable. Yeah. That's like a and you know, I, I, probably, I probably will not watch it again this year. 
but I was thinking about like why does this movie's nostalgia work for me so well that I'm like pumping my fist and crying at it and every little like touch like that little opening the music the little card that explains what Top Gun is the Simpson Bruckheimer like even the lightning storm and all that kind of stuff oh, why man. am I like totally in the zone for this and like every other thing I'm like raising my eyebrow like mm, I don't know do something well, new mm, I, I, okay I'm gonna posit something and you can tell me if it's right or wrong I think that uh, it's nostalgic but it's also nostalgic for a specific era of cinema as opposed to being nostalgic for like characters if that may not that it isn't like it definitely is nostalgic for like you know you know you, you mm-hmm. love seeing Iceman you love seeing uh uh Rooster you love seeing Maverick or I guess you see pictures of Rooster rather or uh, not Rooster Goose Goose sorry my bad sorry Top Gun heads uh sorry oh, yeah. Uh, mm, the and Top yeah Gun just community. as you were texting me about the importance of Goose how quickly uh. thou forgets <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm learning. I'm seeing. I'm learning. I, I think I, you're I right. You. I think if you watch them back to back too, because I think this movie is also commenting on the fight against age. That is a huge. That is a big. Cause I, I was watching Top Gun. And then watching Top Gun Maverick back to back. Yeah, I, this was the first time I ever watched them. Literally, like Top Gun one ends, I start Top Gun Maverick. And it it is like yeah, because Top Gun you forget. I forget like watching Top Gun again. Like Tom Cruise is so fresh. He's so young. He kinda, Even his like, voice, he sounds like a kid. Yeah. Oh, dude, when you see him yeah. in, he's talking to James Tolkien, who is like always the world's oldest man like james tolkien he looks like a hardened man who's uh, been 65 for 65 <laughs> for 85 years yeah <laughs> it's one of those people he's like morgan freeman where he's been like 70 for like yeah. half of his life but uh but um tom cruise like he has his chest out and he looks like the chicken hawk from like the foghorn leghorn cartoons like the little like it is just like it is like wild how um yeah, like it's like Peter Pan-esque almost. It's very but crazy. It, there's something like, like when I watch this movie and like, I mean, this, the scene obviously that like is like outside of like the the third act, like the, the Iceman Maverick scene is the emotional high point outside of the ending of this movie. And when you watch it, you see them shake hands and I'll be your wingman. And you see them as these two young men. But then when he enters Iceman's office and the visibly ill Iceman smiles at him, mm-hmm. you're just like, it's like overwhelming. It's like, oh my God, time, man. Yeah. Like, that, you know? yeah like, that's, maybe that's part of it too, is that like, you know, you're like, it, it's I think like it's the also like real... 35 years or however long it was between the movies. It isn't like, you know, I, I guess like, you think about like Chewie, we're home. In the uh, Force Awakens, like it is a comparable thing because we hadn't seen Han Solo and that. No, but that, that there's time. so much. There's so much more like simulacrum. There's so much more. There's. I feel like Top Gun and Maverick, as goofy as those movies can be, they're like a hundred percent more down to earth and yeah, they just but, feel real. <laughs> like I think there there is a yeah there is a feeling of real, and I think this is getting to get back to it like because it's also 
Tom Cruise in looking at his peers and like Val Kilmer's his peer, but Val Kilmer feels like old. Mm, that's true. Yeah. And Tom Cruise is like still like doing his thing and smiling and riding motorcycles and all the way up to the like the big pivotal third act of this movie. So the basic storyline of this movie is the story of like blockbuster movies and elite and movie stars doing battle with a studio system and a system in general that does not want this style of thing anymore. This is drone warfare or AI or yeah, IP versus cult of personality. Like, let's try something like movies, like let's get the band together to make a movie. Yeah, like and see it's... what happens kind of with and base it completely on the overwhelming power of one person. Man. Who cannot be controlled by a studio at all, as we'll talk about with the release of this movie. Um but the story is like Maverick essentially is has been doing Maverick things since mm-hmm. we last saw him. He has not really changed. He Despite the fact the world has changed, this is the Navy has changed. Iceman is now a freaking admiral. He's like the head of the damn Navy. Uh, Maverick is still like a lunatic test pilot. And the movie opens with him being awesome once again. (laughs) He lives in this like hangar that is filled with just Mavericky stuff, motorcycles. (laughs) sunglasses leather jackets airplanes and memories that is like one thing that like both movies and one thing that uh kaczynski i think gleaned from the previous film is there are like there are all these like totems and tchotchkes and like like badges that seem like very like there's a lot of like uh icon iconography yeah it's every element that they could take from mm for better or worse from Top Gun is mm-hmm. in this movie. And even like it, it feels like it has like resurrected all of it, and but it's doing it in service of this incredibly like old fashioned storytelling. Yeah. Which I really like. What I also like is that it's nostalgia, but it doesn't like wink as much, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it, God, it does. It just makes you feel like it, like we were talking about a little bit it, like when I watch it, it does make me like I think maybe the difference is it makes you yearn for youth but it mm. also gives you there's a melancholy that I feel too when I watch the movie that the time yeah. is past and you're hanging on to the time it, it is very yeah it is um... so wait, I don't want another one at all. I don't want Tom no. Cruise to be in another one at all. I think it ends the Maverick story perfectly, and I don't want to see him again. Yeah, it would be truly, it would get depressing to see him in, like, ten years do it. Re- yeah. Because re- 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 we don't want to, like, I think, like, this was kind of, like, as far as you could go with this plot without it, like, uh, beginning to feel a little grim. Yeah. Uh, And the fact that there is, like, the fact that it ends with uh, Tom Cruise is, you know, 
I think that that like the, the, the I don't know if we want to talk about the ending right now. We'll we get, the, we'll get to we'll it. Get but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like I think I 100 percent agree with you because like yeah, um, you can't just like yeah. He's like in just fucking Neverland. He can't. He has to leave at some point. I don't know. Yeah, and I and the hope is that he's found peace. Yeah, that he Maverick and Tom Cruise because they're mm-hmm. one and the same can walk away. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. And it, it will, and it, he is like, God, they posit the like Mavericks character too in a weird way. Is like the first, like, we talked about, they talked about this on text a little bit, how like, um, nowadays in a lot of movies, millennial characters, like, they're married to their job or like they don't yeah. have like a family or whatever. And like, in some ways, Mavericks character was like the first of that. <sighs> It's just like, dude, but just like Tom Cruise was the first of the endlessly young actor. Yeah. The first of the endlessly young. Yeah. Yeah, man. And yeah. which is the only way to be now. Mm-hmm. You know. Unfortunately. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you're not allowed to. Yeah. And hey, don't worry, though. We have the tech to cover that. Yeah, we got the tech to cover it. So no worries. As long yeah, as you, you stay can... in shape. And Tom Cruise does like multiple shirts off scenes. In this movie, and guess who looks great at 59 years old? Tom Cruise looks better than I do. Like, yeah, it's scary. It is nuts. <laughs> he's in great shape, but, mm. you know, witnessed by his scene at the bar where he, I love, I've brought this up anytime he is forced to, like, drink beer. <laughs> you're like, you've never, like, you don't do this. Yeah. Like, you're, you're a complete and utter health psycho. Um, so, we open where Maverick is taking the hypersonic Dark Star jet yeah. uh, out, and they and uh, Ed Harris shows up briefly as Rear Admiral Chester Hammer Kane. The uh, names still rule. Yep, they, I kind of wish element, there was like everybody has great names still. Yeah, I kind of uh, wish there was just a little more Ed Harris. He's so good. I know, like little he, part. It's all he needs. He's great. Uh, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise defies orders to take off this jet. Uh, would it surprise you? He's terrific at flying this jet, yeah. and he becomes the fastest man in the world. Maverick once again has done it. <laughs> like he's a he's a god made flesh. Unfortunately, though, he pushes it too far and crashes the jet. Somehow, is able to eject out of a jet going like how fat? Like ten G's or something, ten, something like, crazy, unimaginably fast. He's able to, without being incinerated by being parachuting out of it, yeah. uh, he crash lands in a funny moment at a diner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's an alien. He gets reamed out by Hammer Kane. And, he, and Hammer Kane gives basically the James Tolkien speech. I'm going to do what I never expected to do. You're going to Top Gun. <laughs> Doom. Yeah. And then the music comes, the little like drum beat that for the Feltermeyer <laughs> score comes in. You're like, Nice. I love it. I'm already feeling every moment of this. What? To teach. I can't believe I'm doing that. <laughs> he flies out in his motor. He grabs his jacket. He flies out of his motorcycle. He fist pumps as the flames are going by. All the shots we've seen before. Do we yeah. love them all, though? Love them all. Yeah, a Mach 10, by the way. Not 10 G's, Mach 10. Thank you, Mach 10. Uh, he learns what his mission is from... Airboss Vice Admiral Bo Cyclone Simpson, played by John Hamm, 
who gets he understands the assignment in Cyclone completely. Gotta yes. hand it to John Ham. And apparently John Ham agreed to do this movie without ever seeing a script, without even being offered money. It was just brought up to him and he goes, Yes. Because John Ham, being born in the year, I think, nineteen seventy one, was like eighteen years old. Yeah. The first Top Gun came out trying to be a young actor. What did he want to do? more than anything in the entire world, be one of the guys in a Top Gun movie. <laughs> he got the Top Gun toxoplasmosis. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is, I'm it sure is he called his boys, Adam Scott and Paul Rudd and the rest of those guys who go like, dudes, I'm in Top Gun. And they were like, dude, that is awesome. Because they're all the same age, too. <laughs> like, oh, man, yeah. I mean, uh, you could have put a Paul Rudd in there. That could have been fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It could, but um, And Cyclone is really unimpressed with Maverick. Cyclone is the next generation of fighter. He followed up the Cowboys of the Iceman Mm -hmm. Maverick era and he lets it be known you weren't my you weren't my first choice you weren't my second choice. Hell you weren't even on the list (laughs) but you've got a friend in higher in a high place. This friend is of course the head of the Navy Iceman Mm. so what we learn is that the enemy, and I did air quotes there because this movie has to sell in every single territory yeah, to make as much money as possible. So they're like, much like in the first one, we have no idea where they are. The end of the movie is purposely shot in multiple different locations to let it feel like, I don't even know what the terrain of the, it, like, yeah, the fly-in was shot in the Pacific Northwest. Did you know that? Oh! Where they're going through the trees and the water and that kind mm-hmm. of deal. Interesting. Um, We learn that they are uh, unsanctioned uranium enrichment plant is being built, located in an underground bunker at the end of a canyon. The Navy has to blow this thing up before it becomes operational. But shoot, it's defended by a bunch of surface-to-air missiles, SAMs, GPS jammers, and fifth-generation planes i don't know anything about airplanes at all but the second they tell me about fifth generation planes in the united states doesn't even have them why don't we have them i don't know we gotta work on that we gotta work on that apparently suddenly yeah apparently they're necessary i don't know maybe it's the drone (laughs) program like cut Mm. back on the airplane i don't know big drone get out of here so maverick devises a plan to teach these young fighter pilots that it seems we spend like an hour and 45 minutes in this movie about how fucking impossible this plan is. <laughs> how insane. How, how ludicrous insane it is. and ludicrous. But guess what? The movie does an awesome job of explaining it right away mm-hmm. in great detail. So us as an audience are aware of the ins and outs, what needs to be done completely and how freaking hard it is going to be. Mm. Mavericks hit town. Stops by a local pub, meets oh. up with Penny, who is briefly mentioned in Top Gun 1 as the Admiral's daughter who he has an affair with. Right. Oh, yeah, that's a good, yeah. Nice briefly little, mentioned, uh... nicely, another touch. Mm-hmm. And she's played by the lovely Jennifer Connelly. And what I love here, she I like that she kind of roasts Maverick a bit. She kind of 
plays amigo. She's not going to like just like immediately fall for Maverick. They've got a great flirtation. And I will also say this is the first time in like 20 years Tom Cruise has felt like a viable romantic figure in a Yeah. movie. I, And a I will. I think credit is given to her for bringing Mm. that out in him. Oh, I think, yeah, Jennifer Connelly, great actress. I also think that, like, uh, it's impressive that she's able, because, like, I think that, um, you know, even in Top Gun 1, the it's, it's the relationship stuff is so crazy in that movie. It is ludicrous. It, it does It not, it yeah, does it not. makes... It, it's not believable at all. No, makes no sense. So, like, comparatively, like, they do the work in this film. I wonder if that was, like, something they, like, saw and were like, okay, we're going to, like, work on this actively. Yeah. And credit to Joseph Kaczynski and Claudio Miranda. There is not a moment in this movie in the romantic scenes where Tom Cruise and Jennifer Connelly don't seem like the most golden of gods ever put on camera. They both look gorgeous. No hair out of place the entire way through. Yeah, truly nuts. The, the money's on the paper. Uh, meanwhile, at that bar, wait a second. So Cruz has to train all of the best of the best. The best pilots the Navy's got. In ultra Top Gun. I would say like advanced Top Gun training. And we meet some of our young pilots who are dropping in. We meet Lieutenant Jake Hangman Saracen, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. played by the charming Glenn Powell, um, Yeah, the who, MVP, cinema MVP. who, um, according to my mother, my mother has two comments on this. My mother loves this movie, and her comments, he's a hunk who is going to be a gigantic star, which I agree with. Yeah. And he is in a... He's kind of playing a loose the simile of Iceman in this one. Except he's way cockier. Yeah, Although, he is like Ice... I gotta say, with, when he's wearing the sunglasses indoors at the club, at the beginning of Top Gun, in his Navy whites, having drinks with the ladies, you're like, there ain't nobody cooler than Iceman. <laughs> like... Yeah, I I think like yeah, it different different flavors of cocky for sure. My my mother's also her other favorite young actor, Monica Barbaro, who plays Lieutenant Natasha Phoenix Trace. Uh, my mom also saw her in the Schwarzenegger series Fubar on Netflix, and she's a fan. She's just a fan. So Oh wow! I think you, she like did like UCB stuff too yeah, for a little bit. Yeah. and she's terrific. She's going to be a star too. Uh, Yep. th Yep. we've got Lewis Pullman playing Lieutenant Robert Bob Floyd, who. Comic relief, nerdy, very fun in Mm it. hmm. We have Jay Ellis, who's Lieutenant Ruben Payback, bitch. Ooh. Uh, Danny Ramirez is Lieutenant Mikey Fanboy Garcia. Greg Tarzan Davis is Lieutenant Javi Coyote Machado. Uh, there's a few other characters, but those are kind of our main ones Yeah, those are the uh, yeah good. uh, out of the recruits. And outside of one, who we'll get to in just a moment here, uh, Oh, and uh, John Hamm's number two guy, who I love the fact seems to actively hate John Hamm and actively love Maverick. And he's always Yeah. like fist bump, like Maverick's doing an awesome job. Charles Farnell plays Solomon <laughs> Warlock Bates. Great name. no, it rules. Uh, I love the. Yeah, he he kind of has the same relationship to John Hamm that like. Was in Billy Madison, 
Like well, how yeah. there's that one guy, Carl like, and I'm... Carl and Billy Madison compared to Eric. Yeah, yeah, he's a real Carl and Billy, yeah. Mal- Billy Madison type character. I'm gonna give the company to Carl. I'm gonna be a teacher. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and. All of these young actors, so this is a great story. Apparently, they all showed up pretty nervous because this is this is a big deal. All these are big gets, these roles. Mm-hmm. Cruz lines them up, and he goes, there's nothing to be nervous about. We cast you because you're the best, and we expect that from you because you are the best. So just bring what you already bring to the table. He gives them this pep talk. Guess what? They're all on a text chain with Cruz. They love him. They all worship him completely. (laughs) And he takes them on this insane journey. So the big thing about this movie is that they develop cameras to actually put on these jets. And almost every shot of them in the jets, they're actually in these jets doing this stuff. Wow. They have to learn how to operate the cameras. They have to learn how to like, they have to go through full training in case there's an issue where they have to parachute out of the jets. They have all of these things that they go through. Cruz designs it himself, the entire program. He teaches them all how to be pilots himself. Because Cruz is of course a active and enthusiastic pilot in real life. Hmm. The other interesting thing is, so Glenn Powell went out for the leading role of the recruits. And they loved him so much that um, they offered him Hangman, for which he asked. He said he wasn't comfortable because Hangman wasn't very well-rounded. Cruz, Bruckheimer, Kaczynski, and McCory were like, we'll rewrite Hangman for you. We want you in what? this movie so much. That is flattering. Yeah. Wow. Because he didn't get the key young leading character role. Mm-mm. But they wanted him. They were like, he was among the three finalists. The other yeah. finalist was Nicholas Holt. Mm. But the guy who got it is Miles Teller, who plays the role of Rooster. The... Mm. um. Hotshot young pilot, Jake, Lieutenant Jake Hank, or no, pardon me, he's not Jake, he's Lieutenant Bradley Rooster Bradshaw. Mm. Shows up, he's mustachioed. Oh, he looks kind of familiar. It's Goose's son! Oh, Fuck. no. We discover that Maverick still is harboring a lot of pain, a lot of regrets, and a lot of issues with Goose's death. And he's been protective of goo of goo rooster from afar to the point where he does not he held back his career is rooster upset with maverick about this uh you better believe it he hate hates maverick but we also understand movies and we know that goose has been dead for a long time and we know that maverick probably should be the father figure that that rooster needs yeah actually maverick and rooster need each other greatly because rooster would also ground maverick both from the taking risks in the sky and as a human being Mm -hmm. if he had someone he loved back home perhaps penny could do this too and penny's a single mother her daughter or all-knowing wise like wise daughter how convenient Hmm. and 
what I, I do love about this movie. So we all know how hard this is and how dangerous this mission is. Mm-hmm. Now Maverick has to choose whether to put his surrogate son in combat. Is that good? I think it's good. That's I think it's good. a good stuff. I think that's a good, that's, good, a good stuff. That's, that's, that's like high drama, high tension. High drama indeed. They're going at it. Rooster and Hangman ha- are really like competitive with each other. And it's and John Hamm is consistently looking for any excuse to fire Maverick. Meanwhile, we learn Iceman, who Maverick is still very, very close to. We see their famous handshake in the ho- in the damn lobby of Top Gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Top Gun office <laughs> <Yeah>. building. <laughs> They're like the you could be my wingman anytime handshake. Uh Iceman calls him over and we discover Iceman is ill. Mm. Now, in in the years that it followed, Val Kilmer had quite a tumultuous time. I highly recommend on Amazon the Val documentary to get a full story, mm-hmm. the Val Kilmer story. We've also made it clear on this, this show we are giant Val Kilmer fans. We love him mm-hmm. anytime he shows up in a movie. He went through this era, though, where he became po- box office poison. He also was a notorious dick. On sets mm-hmm. at all time, culminating in the insane Island of Dr. Moreau shoot. Go look it up. Yep, seen <laughs> that documentary. It is yeah. wild. <laughs> it is wild. Uh, and Val simultaneously was pretty much relegated to straight-to-video action pictures. But then he developed throat cancer. Um, Val is a Christian scientist, so um, medical treatment, traditional medical treatment, is an issue with that religion. Um, listen to the first four Metallica albums if you want to know, hear someone very angry at that. James Hetfield was brought up in the Christian science and lost his mother to a treatable cancer. And that's a big theme in the first four Metallica records. Little side story there. (laughs) Um, Val got ill. Uh, He's fortunately did receive treatment and he's cancer free, but it ravaged his vocals. And he's unable to really speak mm. at this point, which has limited him as an actor to unfortunately basically roles of ill people. It's probably what he'll be playing going forward. He seems, though, to have a rich art life and rich life. He seems like quite a character still mm-hmm. to this day. Uh, and thankfully, still with us. Um, it was key, though, for him to be in this movie. Uh, for all sides so they tailored the Iceman role to have a similar ailment to what Val Kilmer has and we get this middle scene where Maverick is the kids are not learning he's fighting with Rooster John Hamm's on his ass it's all looking a little tough for Mav yeah. despite the fact of burgeoning romance with Penny yeah what's going on meets with Ice and this is the first time in the movie I cry is this scene. It's <laughs> Ice is typing into a computer to communicate with Mav. And he simply says, you have to let go. And that's what this movie, I believe this movie is about letting go and acceptance. Yeah. I don't know if Tom Cruise is going to listen to his advice. No. This. I don't kind of doubt it. But what I find beautiful about this movie is that you know, we talked about it with like wanting to extend these things, shows or movies, and wanting to know about these characters forever. 
And there is something beautiful because it is kind of part of life. There will be an ending. Mm -hmm. And accepting that and being open to it and your limitations and kind of your who you are is a beautiful thing. I yeah, I I I um it's so funny. Like there was this part of me when I first watched it in theaters, there was this part of me that was kind of like it's crazy you introduce like Miles Teller's character and he doesn't kind of get like the same like um like he, I feel like he gets thrown to the sideline pretty quickly, like Rooster compared mm -hmm. to Maverick, but then like after watching it a second time, especially after hearing what you've said, like this this isn't a movie like at that point, like if you want to make like if you're gonna make a Top Gun movie, it needs to be about Maverick. Like yeah. it needs to be like it'd be crazy to like in the and the idea of like extending this world like that God, imagine if it was just like Top Gun the news stories and they just kept that's trying to like that's the idea only like, it won't be as successful, but that's the only way they can extend this story is to make the next one about Rooster and Hangman and Phoenix and their adventures. But we don't. Yeah, but like, it doesn't I like, matter, though. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that like this movie, the fact that it centers around Maverick and his narrative and closes that gate, I think like bodes but it also well. finds peace for Rooster. Yeah. At the end of this movie. And frankly, Hangman, because Hangman is. He gets a moment. He gets it. He 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 finds humility and gets a moment. Yeah, like uh, like it's kind of impressive. They're juggling a lot of balls. To note about this movie, they talk about in every single scene how dangerous this mission is and how someone is not coming back constantly for constantly. So for about an hour and fifty minutes, you're like, Maverick's gonna die. Like, that was what I was... First time I watched this movie, I'm like, they're going to kill him. Yeah, I thought it too. And I was like, that's like... Not that I want that, because I like Maverick. But I'm like, boy, that gets you on the edge of your seat. And kind of yeah. sweating when this shit goes starts going down. But they get this great scene with Iceman. They hug each other. Val Kilmer is such a great actor. The warmth of his smile when he sees Maverick walk into the room... You're like, oh, there's like so much. And you think about their history and their careers, too. Mm -hmm. Where Tom Cruise has been, where Val Kilmer has been, in addition to where Maverick has been and where Iceman has been. It is really in this scene. And yeah, that makes it even more moving. Yeah, the baggage these... of their of the of either act of both actors or like the, the history that is behind them. Well, and like the thing, too, about this movie is it's so there is like this sense when you watch it that you feel like you're in like a weird Top Gun he's in. In the sense that, like, there are so many, like, moments where, like, you see pictures from, like, I, like, there are at least, like, five scenes where, like, top, where Maverick is, like, looking at a picture from the past. Yeah. Half of the, yeah, it's, it's really, it does feel like, uh, there is, like, a reverence for, um, I don't know. To it's, the point uh, where I think it goes full circle to Melancholia. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, oh man, that was and this is where I'm at now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like and it's and it's also like hearing on the Valdoc serious rivalry on set of the original mm -hmm. Top Gun between Cruz and Kilmer, because they're the two hot up and comers at that time. Mm. And now they're the old guard in this one. And to see I'm moved because it's like they've found peace 
as like like they're like this is where we stand as two guys like 60 something guys it is so fascinating and it's a testament to like their strength as actors or not their or maybe not strength like their yeah strength and like their um you know their uh because the, like both of them at certain points were like the biggest actors in the world yeah respectively and you think about uh movies like uh Star Wars, like the, the all the most recent like retreads of these things, and I think like they really ring hollow to some people because it really is just like they're pulling out the old stuff. Like there isn't that extra layer. Yeah, of, like I... yeah, like there isn't like that meta narrative of like these people that have actually had their ups and downs in real life. I'm in not addition. really totally comfortable with meta in general but i do like it in this movie in a way because i also because i'm a guess i am a believer in like movie stars and yeah. old school kind of thing i mean that's what our show's about yeah stars and that kind of thing and it's heart of hearts and what we're watching in this scene and what the what tom cruise is trying to do with the young actors too because i think he's trying to like he's shining a light on all of them like in the ways I think the the some of the others don't do, where it's like you walk away, like my mom is saying things like, "Who is Glenn Powell? Who is Monica Barbaro? Who is Lewis Pullman? I'm going to recognize them in other things." Mm. Like Tom Cruise is making stars well, yeah, out of hey, these other people too, dude. Like Lewis Pullman, he's going to be starring in the new Salem Slot movie. Yeah, which is like all of be them. Yeah, they're all are going to. Like get more gigs, and when you see them in other things, you're gonna say, "I like them." That is that's like, like that doesn't happen in the same way anymore. No, well, when you look at like the poor, like all the Star Wars people, like you know, John Boyega, yeah. he hasn't been in a movie in a while. Like did Daisy Ridley, I guess she sort of has a career in stuff, kind of, but people don't see them. They see them as those characters. They see the characters. Yeah. They don't see them as actors. That is, um, or stars. This is like a, a this, this is IP, an IP driven film, but it's star it's it's IP versus star driven. It's a hundred percent like yeah, it is a that is yeah, that's a really interesting insight. Yeah, it's, like it's, it's yeah, it's fascinating, and it's so successful. And I wish that they would, but I don't think the studios want stars because that they they can't just like say here's another guy playing Maverick, here's another guy playing Iron Man yeah. who gives a shit. And I think that was the issue with Downey. In mm-hmm. Iron Man, because Downey played Iron Man as a movie star, a hundred percent. Well, that's well, and that's, and that's why, why people... he's the only person who matters in yeah. any of those movies. Well, and that's <laughs> why people were drawn to those movies yeah, initially because Robert Downey Jr. did something fucking different. <laughs> or same with Johnny Depp in the Pirates movie at yeah. that time. Like it's movie star driven, and nobody gets it anymore because uh... they don't want it to exist. And Tom Cruise has got too big freaking birds middle finger birds up at all those people saying actually you know what matters a lot you gets asses in seats like the indiana jones movie everyone's wary of but at the same time the reason anyone wants to go is harrison fucking ford yeah like oh yeah you can't recast that shit no you love him you Mm -hmm. love him and like those connections are so cool and can't be forced and they're organic like when i first glenn powell first movie i saw him in was everybody wants some the link later movie 
Oh, he was one movie. of the guys in that movie. But he was the guy in the movie, like McConaughey and Days to Confuse. You're like, who's that? Mm-hmm. That's the guy. Oh, yeah. Who's going to emerge out of this group? Mm-hmm. And he did. He's going to be. Because yeah. it's like, it's a beautiful, like, or, like how do the, where did this, like, you can't teach it. It's like, I had this long talk with Graham High, former guest the other day. He's like, why is Brad Pitt cool? Like, why does he stick out? Mm-hmm. Did he teach it himself or is it like God given? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I don't got it. You don't got it. I would say. No, say. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, there's spice. Like, it's just like, it's just a, it is a, they're, uh, yeah, they're people that have like the, and it's so funny. Like, I'll take an acting class and like, occasionally there's like a person in that class where it's like, okay, this guy kind of has a little bit of that. He has like a fifth of that Riz. He has a fifth of that, like, he has a fifth of that, like Brad Pitt or like whatever, yeah. like the movie star energy is or that aura or, he, or it's like, it's there somewhere. It's just, he needs to like work on his craft a little more or whatever. But like, it's such a, it's so electric when you're like, you oh, know, you witness see, to something see, of that. You, you even see it in improv though. It's like somebody who just has it. Like you do a yeah. scene you're like, Oh, they like get it. They get the whole thing. They got the right mm-hmm. look. They got the right moves. They got a character, like a persona already. They also understand all the technical elements. Like they just get it. Yeah. And, and then, it's like, and it comes naturally to them. Yeah. It's, yeah. Which is like, yeah, infinitely frustrating, but also like a wonderful to witness. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. I, yeah. I was there. Or, you know, you could say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he meets with ice. They hug. It's beautiful, but it's coming down to it. And John Hamm is like so good as the bureaucratic asshole mm. cyclone. And he's like, Mav, you're running out of time. Yep. We got to do this thing. So Maverick decides, I'm going to bring everybody out to the beach and we're going to play this insane game of <laughs> football that is like basically two football games going on simultaneously. Doesn't make a lick of sense, but it gives. It's an excellent. It's a. It's our plan with the boys. Yep. Sequence. It's not as spectacular as the um, beach volleyball scene, but what you can't what could be. That. That's like that, I mean, talking about. T- t- yeah, yeah. You can You know, it's um, a collection of elements that could never, <laughs> in a moment in time, that you know, and a yeah. song and all that kind of thing. Like, okay, that is like a... some stupid like radio track in this. They don't have a Kenny Loggins jam. That is like my one, literally my one critique of this movie is that they needed, uh, I wish they had gotten, and it didn't have to be Kenny Loggins. Maybe you find like whatever this generation's Kenny Loggins is, but you find like one weird guy and you get him to make like a weird soundtrack for this movie instead of just getting your great, the greatest hits. Yeah, you the know. radio, like who, the Who for you know air traffic. Yeah, which is like I, 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 you know, it's which fun. Yeah, I will say like I, I, God, I hate to admit this, but that song does work on my like the you know the the reptile part of my brain yeah. that likes the Who. Like yeah. it, it works. Like, but like yeah, but it would be nice to have a plague with the boys or something of that nature. But we get a great. Everybody gets to take off their shirts and show how fit they got. That's for true. the movie, it's the sun's going down. Jennifer yep. Conley's loving it. John Hamm shows up. He doesn't get it at first, and he's like, "You." And John Hamm's like, "You wanted a team." And John Hamm's like, "Damn it, Maverick! You're right. Yeah. This was a good idea. You did it. You made them I like, friends." I like that. 
kind of like John Hamm's character is an asshole, but he's like a uh, also it's not like cartoonish in any like he's yeah. like, yeah, it doesn't it never veers toward it doesn't feel like he's trying to like actively sabotage Maverick at any point. Yeah, but then we get big news. Uh, timeline mm. has been moved up. Shit. And John Hamm's like. And they get sent in for this um, practice trial runs. Nobody can get it right. It's all looking terrible. John Hamm's mm-hmm. like, Matt, you're fucking fired. You're out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here, you loser. And then John Hamm tells them, I'm changing the timeline and the love, the altitude for which you could fly. And all of the pilots who've been listening to Maverick this entire time are like, yeah, we're going to die. Like, mm-hmm. it's like well, this is now not survivable. And John Hamm has laid it down. Like, Maverick is like, well, the mission, the this, there's all these parts of the mission we agree on, but Maverick's like, and bring our pilots home. Mm-hmm. And John Hamm's like, maybe. <laughs> and that, like you can see, Maverick, because of course the one pilot Maverick in particular wants to make sure gets home, is Rooster, Rooster. His, his beloved goose's son. Yeah, little and little gooseling, little gooseling, and like, oh shit, we're gonna die! But then, in class, the radar screen shows up. It's it's fucking Maverick. He stole a plane, oh, and he's man. doing the course. This scene rocks the way it's cut, all the reactions, because John Hamm's like, Jesus Christ, come on, dude. But the recruits is Maverick is doing it and they're cutting at Tom Cruise doing all like the gadgets and like the like moving stuff around his face is that the G's is getting blown backwards. He's like really rock like he's doing the whole like i'm doing an impression for patrick right now like, yeah he's, he's moving he's he's moving uh he's moving little flight sticks he's pressing buttons he's doing they, the work they cut to like monica barbara going awesome and they cut to all of them like all the pilots like like this guy's annoying but he is the proving once again the coolest most awesome guy at maybe ever maybe in the history of movies mm. is pete maverick mitchell yeah. Guess what he's doing? He's doing the damn course. He's proving it's possible. Even Rooster, even Hangman's like, this is badass. This guy yeah. is badass. This guy <laughs> like, who's like, you know, late 50s yeah, is schooling us. Insane. Yeah. Like, he's really good. And by the end of this movie, with all the rest of the planes he shoots down, he is the greatest fighter pilot. In Navy history, right? Yeah, he makes the Red Baron look like shit. Yeah, yeah he's <laughs> like, yeah, if the news heard about him, he'd be the biggest story in the news. Like, like oh, this, guy's, yeah, yeah, this guy is like, Joe Biden has given him a medal, like on TV. Yeah, he's becoming what? president. Joe yeah. Biden just gives up. He's, he's done. Well, that's what they even say. They're like, you should be a senator by now. Yes. Like, because he probably should be. Yeah, like, but. But then there's a purity to Maverick, though. He yeah. wouldn't... Yeah, he well, so, yeah, but Maverick, is. that's why he's like a true... This is the perfect Fourth of July movie, because he is the American cowboy mm-hmm. character. Yeah, like, and, no. he, and, and it is like, man, he's the American cowboy, and it's like... It's like um, he's like Chris Cooper's character in Seabiscuit, if, like, 
he got to do one last crazy wild bunch roundup and then he was successful and didn't get shot or no repercussions for his wild bunching. Well, it is like, like this. <laughs> the were true story. It's like the right stuff and Chuck Yeager in the right mm-hmm. stuff. How right. he wasn't one of the astronauts because that was a little too corporate, but he was out there until he was like 90 years old, like throwing himself out of airplanes, like in deserts and shit like that. Like, and this idea of like, even like, and I know like Nolan was paying tribute to it with McConaughey in Interstellar mm-hmm. too. The idea of the cowboy character, like, I'm never yeah. settling down. I'm going to keep pushing the limits and the boundaries of the frontier mm-hmm. is kind of the idea. Cause there's no more. What, what do you do when there's no more frontier? You know, yeah. do you give up or do you find more frontier? Yeah. Do you make your own frontier? Do you make your own frontier. Yeah. Which is like yeah. the, which is what all like very old school mentality, mm-hmm. very old school American it's mentality in particular. Big. Yeah, definitely like a dying mindset yeah. for sure. In the world that feels like every every space has been conquered. So that's the idea here. Mm-hmm. Is that Maverick is living on that edge. Right. And that's probably another reason why this movie is so successful because it made you feel mm-hmm. feel that. And like you, that was possible. And that yeah, was made neat. you feel like cowboys still existed. Yeah. Uh, so John Hamm is like really frustrated <laughs> because Maverick like did it he does it yeah. does the mission proves it's doable but mm-hmm. in the face of John Hamm's orders he makes John Hamm look like a dipshit in front of all the recruits mm-hmm. all these kind of things but even like even Warlock is like yeah Warlock rules I love Warlock his little rules. fist bumps yeah I do yeah. too Warlock, Warlock is like Maverick. You're so cool. This guy just doesn't get. It. <laughs> <laughs> can I be your sidekick? <laughs> I want to. Yeah. Can I get up there? I want to get in there. Um. So the only decision that can be made, both for the movie, it, in all contexts, is that um. Naturally, Maverick's on the mission now. <laughs> like, like yeah. he's the leader of the mission. He's going in. And they keep saying, no, but you might not come back from this. Maverick is like touching the plane. The music is coming in. He has to say goodbye to Penny and his dwarf dress whites. Then, <laughs> bigger news. Iceman is dead. Oh, no. No. More tears from Dawn. What do you think? <laughs> like, it's so sad. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is the end of line. Maverick has no backup. The Navy hates him other than Iceman. John Hamm lets him know all of this, of course. Mm-hmm. They go on this mission, though. He has to pick who is going to be the other pilot, who are going to be the teams, the mm-hmm. the bombers and the tracker guys. He chooses Phoenix and Bob to be one of the teams. He chooses Coyote and Fanboy to be one of the teams. And for the other expert, the pilot... The, the other main like bomber mm-hmm. obviously we know as an audience it's all there was never an option it was between two people it was hangman or rooster yeah for this job is he gonna go with his head or his heart oh, I don't know. he chooses rooster he's Whoa. gonna put him in competition thus hangman sidelined but this is an interesting thing in the same exact way as maverick in top gun one 
same role as Maverick and Top Gun 1, Hangman gets. He's on board because Ice and Hollywood are the two main pilots who go up oh. in the mission and that and Maverick has to go in and save Ice. Oh yeah. Mer- Merlin, of course. Naturally. <laughs> yeah, everyone's favorite. You all remember Merlin. Merlin. Tim Robbins. Um <laughs> there so they go on the mission. They're going through Rooster's feet like a little slow. Maverick. Oh my god, this is where the tears start to go. Rooster goes, talk to me, Dad. Oh. And Maverick's already saying, talk to me, Goose. It's all coming yeah. together. Are they going to make it out of this? So here's what Kaczynski does that I think is his best touch in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. They do the mission. They're they're making it through, flying through, relying completely on sound effects. No musical score in the opening part mm-hmm. of the mission. They get through. They drop the bombs. Their success. They go over the top. The enemy comes in. As they're getting bombarded with missiles, that's when the music starts to rise for the first time in the scene. And to make it more dramatic, to make it seem harder, and to make you totally feel like they are not going to make it. Mm -hmm. Maverick ends up saving Rooster, but gets hit, and Maverick goes down. Off camera, John Hamm's like, shit, Maverick's dead. Whereas an audience, we as an audience yeah. are like, shit, Maverick's dead. <laughs> like, yeah. He's toast. <laughs> like, ooh, that, ooh, they kind of foretold it, but that sucks. Mm-hmm. Rooster is shattered. We got to go back for Mav. <laughs> and John Hamm, despite simming cold, I actually believe makes the correct leadership decision here. We are not losing anyone else. Yeah. Get out. Get out. Maverick's dead. I think that's a fair, I think uh, yeah, totally fair assessment of this combat situation. Yeah, like I, it sucks. We don't want it, mm-hmm. but when you're in this moment, I don't want. I don't want to see. I don't want to see Phoenix die. I don't want to see yeah. Bob die. I Get want, out of I there. Don't, <laughs> I don't want Cowboy to be torn asunder. Yeah. So or f- f- Flyboy rather. So they're going to do it. Then. This movie takes a turn I did not see coming. Mm. Maverick wakes up in the damn snow behind enemy lines. God, yeah, this is, this is like, like movie. Oh, okay. We got that <laughs> what, what is happening here? He's about to get shot by a like Apache helicopter. Boom! Apache helicopter. It's Rooster. He's still in the game. Oh. Rooster gets hit though. Mm. He goes down. We get a Tom Cruise in the snow full sprint because even in a Top Gun movie, we need a full scale like running Tom Cruise scene. I I did hoot and holler when I saw the classic Tom Cruise sprint. I was Warlock. Did a little like subtle fist pump is what I did. (laughs) Yeah, his insane. Rooster Rooster got out, but they all think they're both dead. Mm -hmm. But now they're behind enemy lines. If you don't think this movie can get wilder, crazier, and more exciting, they sneak to the airfield that the with John Hamm previously launched a bombing attack on. So it's destroyed. Mm-hmm. Well, chaos ensues. They look around and uh-oh. No, 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 no. It's the it's the plane. 
the model of plane, an F-14 <laughs> that they flew in the original Top Gun that this old, assumably, assuming like Eastern European style country still yeah. has one on hand. It's it's like the Rocky and Bullwinkle country. It's like Potsylvania or whatever. And <laughs> they climb in. Tears are about to flow from me right now describing it. Rooster is taking Goose's seat. Oh, God. And he doesn't know how to run it. Maverick's getting him. They go up in the sky. They're like, how are we going to stop fifth generation planes in this old ass plane? Uh, not the plane. It's the pilot. Luckily, wow. the greatest pilot in the history of pilots <laughs> happens to be piloting this jet. <laughs> you are fine, Rooster. They somehow get up off the runway. They, there is no runway on. They lose their landing gear as they're doing so. Man. Hat on hat on hat, but good hats. These are good yeah. hats. These are wonderful hats. Wonderful all, hats. Some of the best they hats. They complement each other. <laughs> Complimentary hats. They're flying through. Oh, no. Fifth generation planes. They're doing know. all sorts of moves. Somehow, Maverick gets two out of the three that they're on trail. Somehow, they're out of missiles. They've switched mm-hmm. to guns. They're out of guns. It, All it's looking lost. grim. Tom Cruise says he's sorry, which may bring more tears to your eyes. You're like, oh, yeah. Damn. Boom. Gets put out of the sky. It's Hangman. Yeah. Save the day. Thumbs up all around. Yep, he has like a little quip. They land the plane. High fives, hugs. Yep, John Ham. Warlock fist pumping. Fist pump. John Ham, uh, annoyedly, but it's like, jeez, okay. Yeah, I can't really do anything about this. This guy is just too rad. He's yeah, too you're, awesome. You're cool. You're cool as oh. hell. <laughs> I forgot when. They show up on the radar. And John Ham's like, oh, Maverick. You're like, he's done it again. The greatest guy in the world has done it again. Yep. <laughs> you land the plane, Goose and Hangman have it ice. Maverick, you could be my wingman. Any t- or not Goose, uh, Brewster and Ma- Brewster. Hangman have it. You can be my wingman. All this leading up to the biggest tears in the movie. Mm. Mav and Rooster reconciling completely. Yeah. Hugs. It's beautiful. Everyone mm. wins. Yeah. We cut to, cut to Maverick's hangar a little bit later. Maverick and Rooster are working on planes together. Yep. And there's a photo of the two guys. He, that, that's part new, of the a new photo. A new photo has been added to Maverick's family collage. Jennifer Conley shows up looking just like a billion dollars standing next to like a vintage Porsche that she drove up. It's crazy. It is crazy. It looks awesome. It's it is like, like the coolest car in the world. It's gorgeous. This silver vintage Porsche that she's pulled up in. It's awesome. They smile at each other. Tom Cruise takes her up into a plane. It's really them. In the mm-hmm. plane too that he's flying around, look, which looks great. Wow! As well, he flies off into the sunset. Cue the Lady Gaga 
theme yep. song to the movie. Uh, an attempt at a My Heart Will Go On. Yeah. It's fine. It's okay. Yeah, it's like, a, yeah, it's uh, I've uh, heard better, but uh, I've heard worse. Apparently, she said she was thinking about Tony Scott when she wrote the song, which hats off to you, Lady you know Gaga. Hey, the song gets uh, one point better in my one book. One point now. higher. They fly off into the sunset. The movie is dedicated to Tony Scott. Mm. We're like sweaty and covered in tears. And we're yeah. like, jeez, <laughs> what a time to be alive. It's like, no, I'm not crying. I just yeah. spilled my soda all over my eyes. I, I know, know what you're talking I spilled, about. I got root beer in my eyes. <laughs> um, Wow. Uh, so this movie played at CinemaCon a few weeks before it came out, and everyone there was like, uh, I think Tom Cruise has got like perhaps a bit of a hit on his hands. Yeah. <laughs> oh like it seems like everyone uh, is levitating in the audience yeah. after that movie. <laughs> like... This is a big deal. So, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. This movie in 2019 was completed. Of course, later on. Wow. In the in 2020, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Mm. Um, apparently, Apple, Netflix, etc., etc., were banging on Paramount's door to buy the rights to it to put it on their service during um, the pandemic, which did happen with a bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. And do you remember any of those movies, Patrick? No. No. <laughs> no. Whatever. Who knows what those movies were? Um, Tom Cruise adamantly and to the point where he threatened a lawsuit uh, to Paramount. To the point where he and Christopher McQuarrie evidently rewrote the end of the new Mission Impossible movie that was filming simultaneously so they could film in perpetuity until this was resolved. And wow. basically holding Mission Impossible hostage. It's the last, it's like the last uh, bastion. I feel like, tr- yeah. True, like non Wall Street, non tech goon star power. Old school Hollywood shit. Right and like here. movie defenders. Like yeah. they are they're they keeping are, the they light Mr. alive. Mr. Movies and his uh his his uh executive assistant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mr. Movies and yeah, his butler. <laughs> so he pushed and pushed and pushed. The trailer is released. They play CinemaCon, and you begin to feel because the COVID nineteen rules had opened up. The movie begins to play April 28th. It plays CinemaCon. And everyone's like, oh, this could be something. Mm. Screens of the Cannes Film Festival, May 18th, to a five minute standing ovation and a lifetime tribute award to Tom Cruise until it's released theatrically on in the US on May 27th, 2022. I saw it opening weekend with my mom. She was in town. We were counting down the days. Both of us pumped as longtime Top Gun heads. Mm-hmm. Texting with a lot of my friends who you've met at movie night who are about my age who are also going to be there opening weekend because they're like, that trailer was like totally there too. Oh, yeah. We, my mom and I come out like, that was awesome. 
what a great freaking movie. We loved every second of it. And it opened Tom Cruise video message saying, we're so happy theaters are back. We're so happy you're here. We worked so hard on this. And my mom felt Tom was speaking directly to her. Ooh. And she was like, that was so nice. It just made me feel like I was involved and Tom Cruise was doing this for me directly. And I was like, I think that's the idea. Yeah, <laughs> but it's really like and I've seen it in other movies like I saw it before even the new Scream like they have having cast members do that I think it's actually really like I think it's really like it's a simple and nice move that yeah. gets aud- regular audiences to feel like oh they're like they appreciate me being here it's like such a simple effective and yeah. like, you know, I feel like movie theaters do a variation of that, too. They'll get like, well, it's like the Nicole Kidman yeah. like movies feel good in a place. It's kind of like a riff on that almost. It's well, a good, I it's mean, a very... someone someone call her Mrs. Movies if Tom Cruise is Mr. Movies, ex-husband and wife, but still um, mm-hmm. bonded, but bonded by the movies. Yeah. Cinema bonded by cinema. Um, so it turns out my mother and I, though, we're not the only people who were. Yeah. Impressed, <laughs> impressed with Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> you weren't, uh, you weren't the only folks enamored by the uh, the Adventures of Bob and yeah, and uh, uh, not Playboy, not a cowboy fanboy. There we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> over the course of the its opening weekend, it did one hundred and sixty point five million over the four day Memorial weekend, nearly doubling Cruz's career best opening. Largest wow. Memorial Day four day weekend opening ever. Second weekend, it grossed 90 million. 29% drop off was the smallest for a film that had opening over 100 million ever. It is, it is genuinely, when you think about like the movie, this is a sequel, it, it just, it is ludicrous. It's so, because like that means like it wasn't just like, I think kids were seeing this too. Like, it that was just... my question. Like, I don't, like, yes, yeah, as far as like, do kids care? But apparently they had to, because so. this movie grossed seven hundred eighteen point seven million in the United States and Canada alone, seven hundred and seventy-seven million in other territories, for a worldwide gross. Let's round up just mildly to one point five billion. Tom Cruise's biggest movie he's ever made. God damn. Um, a sensation at the box office. Second highest grossing movie of the year behind Avatar Way of the Water. Another he... movies are back event like I haven't seen this before from a very specific creative person. It is like crazy like yeah 2022 cruise and Cameron, Cameron they yeah. kind of brought they kind of ensured that movies would stay around at least another decade. Yeah, the like, viral video at the Academy Award luncheon where Spielberg, who still was a little miffed about the couch jumping on the press tour for War of the Worlds, um, came up to Cruz and on tape says, You fucking saved our asses. Damn. When you have like when it like when you're getting Steve Steve, when you're getting Spielberg to do a John Hamm moment to you, and apparently at that Oscar luncheon, you know all all the stars are there. Mm -hmm. You know it's the Oscars. Yeah, everyone. The only person they wanted to meet when Tom Cruise entered the place 
was Tom Cruise. He is the star of stars. Mm-hmm. Like, and he was back. He's back, and Jerry Bruckheimer is back. Man. And then now they're the kings of the mountain again. Because not only was it a $1.5 billion financial success, it has a 96% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Top Gun Maverick pulls off a feat even trickier than a 4G inverted dive, delivering a long belated sequel that surpasses its predecessor in wildly entertaining style. It has an A-plus cinema score. 96% of audience members gave it a positive score. Jesus. Um, A.O. Scott called it an earnest statement of the thesis that movies can and should be great. <laughs> um, outside of Richard Brody, who did not like it and hates the original, um, mm-hmm. everyone loved this movie. Like loved it. <laughs> uh, awesome. And I like that. You need one hater, and that's a great hater yeah, to have. Richard, Richard Brody is. The, he's and you knew he was going to be. Yeah, he's um, a, no, a what a noble hater to have. Quentin Tarantino called Top Gun Maverick fantastic and said alongside of steven spielberg's west side story provided a true cinematic spectacle the kind that i thought wasn't going i wasn't going to see anymore Mm. he said of the film there was this just there was just this lovely love lovely lovely aspect because i do i love both tony scott cinema so much and i love tony so much that that's as close as we're ever going to see to see one more Tony Scott movie. The respect and the love of Tony was in every frame. It was almost in every decision. It was consciously right there and in this really cool way that was really respectful. Mm-hmm. They gave Ridley Scott a private screening of Top Gun Maverick before it came out. And wow. of it, Jerry Bruckheimer said, one of the most heartwarming things I experienced is that when we showed the movie to Tony's brother Ridley, he was laudatory in his praise for the film and the kind of care that Tom took to honor Tony throughout the movie. That was the up foremost in everybody's mind. Also, Tom Cruise invited Anthony Edwards over to his house for a private pre-screening of Top Gun Maverick to show Goose himself the movie. Yeah. And Anthony Edwards loved it. And I will say to you, like Miles Teller, he has like that. Um, there's like a weird everyman quality to him that uh, Anthony Edwards had. Like it's good casting. I don't know. It is good casting. So somehow, at the 95th Academy Awards, Top Gun Maverick was also nominated for a ton of Academy Awards. Who would have ever, in a million years, seen this coming? Mm-hmm. To the point too. Where it was snubbed for a couple, yeah, uh, nominations, and I think had a legitimate shot of winning Best Picture. Oh, yeah, it's a wild. This was like and the maximus. Li- it may have gotten second place if if they had to narrow down the numbers. Really, I bet it did. I actually bet it did get second place, mm-hmm. um, or all oh, quiet on the Western Front. That would have been my other guess for second place. Yeah, that movie. That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, not gonna go. With uh, it. it was nominated for best visual effects, best film editing, best original song, Lady Gaga, best adapted screenplay, and best picture. Snubbed, some would say, for directing, Joseph Kaczynski, mm-hmm. and I think in particular, best actor, Tom Cruise. 
yeah. who I, uh, I actually think should have been nominated. And it's not so much about acting as it is about like what he does in this movie. I don't think anyone else can do. Yeah. Well, and it's like he it demonstrates a um a knowledge of like a he knows how to manipulate and utilize his persona. He can play mm-hmm. he can play his persona like an instrument, much like David's flute. He can play his yeah. persona. <laughs> he has yeah, songs much, in much it. like it. Yes, and I think. <laughs> um, I think the other thing about this movie is we talked a little bit about kind of his time in the wilderness, some misses mm. that he had in the last 20 years. What this movie also brings to the table is why anyone cared about this guy in the first place. Mm. All of his moves, like you just described, all of his playbook, all of his the tools in his toolkit, he does mm. in this movie. He's fun. He's charming. He's adventurous. Mm-hmm. He exudes charisma. He's got the smile. It's all there. Mm-hmm. And it reminded that's why the Mission Impossible movie that he's got coming out shortly is going to be an utter freaking smash. He's back. I would love to see him do a collateral. I would love to see him do a Magnolia or an Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, to work with like a man or a, a Anderson yeah. would be incredible. I don't think he's going to. Yeah. I think he's going to ride this out until he physically can't. Yep. This whole thing that he does now of being like the insanely fit, stunt-filled madman, yeah, who I... likes being Mister Blockbuster and Mister Summer. He's not really interested. He wants to make movies that get asses in seats. Yeah, on... I, I'm curious to see if he'll transition from like a um. Like from Mr. Blockbuster, if he'll ever, if he'll, you know, take the route, if he'll enter like the character actor zone, if he'll become like the, I feel like he just does not like, he doesn't cotton to being like the mentor or like the. Uh, Yeah. Well, he doesn't see himself in that vein. He Mm -hmm. doesn't see, like, I think that there are some people who, you know, make that transition. You see, you know, and can play a father, can play, you know, he doesn't see himself as a dad. He doesn't see himself as a boss. Mm-hmm. He still sees himself as Maverick. Mm-hmm. Maverick is his defining role. Yeah. Regardless of any, regardless of like, you know, one could argue collateral or born on the 4th of July or something is a better performance. Um, but Maverick is his greatest role. Mm-hmm. It is the defining Tom Cruise role. And I don't think he wants to leave. You know, like anybody else, he fears the end. He doesn't want to think about it. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to think about when his body doesn't work as well. Yeah. Huh? He wants to, God, yeah. And it's crazy thinking, like, he is, like, it's like, you see all these stunts he does. It's like, is that, like, does he want to go out in a stunt? Like, it is scary. I don't want, I hope not. Yeah. No, is it, I mean, is he Mickey O'Rourke at the end of The Wrestler with his heart about to explode? God. Going to the top rope? I mean. A little in there. I don't know. I hope not. Yeah, I hope not, I too. Hope, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if, I don't I mean, I don't know. No, no one's ever going to know this man. Yeah, Chris, that is Christopher, I would argue Christopher McQuarrie does not know him. Oh no, no! But he knows he knows he gets his bread buttered. But like, yeah, knows he gets his bread buttered. Knows how to talk to him. Probably likes him in a social yeah. way. Um, mm-hmm. but I think like, I don't know. You know. This is a guy who's been speculated upon about forever. I don't know. Oh yeah, I, I don't know. Item. 
Yeah. No. Um, maybe we never. Who knows? Yeah. No. Well, it's yeah, like well, he's at that, that point. There's that story about um. So the guy who wrote the like the three biggest uh Theodore Roosevelt biographies. Oh. Um. He he um. He the there is this three volume set that are like total. They're the first one's called the Rise of Theodore Roosevelt. His name is Edwin Morris, and they're totally. Even if you're not like the biggest like buff history buff or whatever, these are like at that Caro level with the Johnson books. They're really great. Really, um, yeah, they're terrific. They're amazing books. Um, apparently, Ronald Reagan was really really impressed with them, and he invited Edmund Morris to write his biography. Oh yeah, and Morris spent like a year with him. And he's like, there's no interior life. Oh, God. Like, I can't. So he wrote this book called Dutch, this really controversial, like almost fictionalized, like dream version of it. And was very controversial. And Reagan felt like betrayed and all that kind of thing by it. And mm. um, because Morris basically said, it's not possible to write a biography of this person to like get to, to to know this person at all and i wonder you know he told set of reagan he was one of the truly one of the strangest men who's ever lived nobody around him understood him i inter every, i every person i interviewed almost without exception eventually would say you know i could never really figure him out and the you know, well, it, would, it makes that sadder, too, is he wanted to be figured out, and maybe, that's the thing, maybe he doesn't even know himself, but he was yeah. hoping he can get, like, if he, if he can't get the best, the, you know, if you can't get the Robert Caro of your era to figure yeah, you out, you're kind and, of fucked in that regard, man. And I think, like, you know, Tom Cruise might be a similar person, where it's like, I wonder, because somebody will try and write a biography about him. Yeah, needs to happen. And I don't know, you know. Well, it's like you become. There's like certain people where they become so big, and they get like um, and it happens so young. Yeah. And it, I don't know. It's it's weird. I mean, and then you have the other side of it, which I guess is like a Trump, where like he was just born weird, and yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. So this movie is a smash, mm. and it, and it gives Jerry Bruckheimer, who turns eighty years old shortly here i believe mm -hmm. jerry's birthday is uh in september mm -hmm. a late career home run of the highest order and you know who knows if he's back at 80 you know i mean who knows he does have a movie called young woman in the sea which is a biopic of a competitive swimmer with Daisy Ridley, from who the aforementioned is the lead. Mm, uh, that's going to be on Disney Plus here soon. Uh, he there is a fourth Bad Boys film that is going to be coming out at some point soon. Uh, he did produce Bad Boys for Life in 2020 as well. Um, but our, you know, an Academy Academy mindset, the the key film. Is the forthcoming Netflix movie that I believe will should be out this year, 
Beverly Hills Cop, Axel Foley. Ooh. The the long-awaited fourth Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. So we will see on that. Um, I tend to think that Top Gun Maverick is lightning in a bottle as well. Right elements, yes. right moment, right star. Um, yeah, it's funny because like there is a part of me that's like the only other person maybe that can recreate that kind of spark could be a an Eddie Murphy. Yeah, but but like I also I didn't see coming to America, and I don't know, but that might have been a was, little more. Um, it was fine. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it yeah. seems a little more humble. Seems a little more modest comparatively. I mean, yeah, I think you could argue though, Axel Foley is Eddie Murphy's Maverick. Mm, that is true. Too. So we will see. Yeah. Uh I'll be watching it, but I don't see Bruckheimer stopping anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh uh true Hollywood success story. You know, he's outrun Don Simpson by almost thirty years. Wow. It's Simpson's been almost been dead thirty years. Mm-hmm. And um you know, made it all his own. So, you know, and who knows if he made the world of entertainment and culture worse by <laughs> with some of these things. But much like Top Gun Maverick, sometimes the nostalgia wins out. <laughs> hey, man, it happens to all of us. We all it's it's a real it's a it's you know, we got we got we all have it for something. Mm-hmm. And we'll be covering a few other Jerry movies within the context of some of our other mini series to come. But for now, we shut the door on the Visionary Alliance, a key, key, key moment in Hollywood history from the 80s and 90s into beyond with uh, the ultimate nostalgia for the Visionary Alliance, Top Gun Maverick, and the way things were. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, we take a hard hard turn in a different direction on the show (laughs) (laughs) in which we cover uh for my birthday episode i'm kind of calling this one historical silence the works of christian petzold uh covering three movies from the german director christian petzold one of the premier international filmmakers in my mind working today 2012's barbara 2014's phoenix and 2018's transit all one word titles um Barbara and Phoenix are currently on Tubi, can be rented, or on Ooh. Blu-ray, Blu-ray and DVD. The People's Trans- Streaming Service. Streaming Service. Transit is currently on Prime, available within their um, regular service. Uh, can be rented and is on Blu-ray as well. I watched all three on Blu-ray already, so I'm pumped to talk about them. You've um, got the fever. I, I took a look at his uh, film after Transit as well on Dina too just for even more background so uh you know we'll be ready that's gonna be a fun app i'm excited to introduce him to you and see what mm-hmm. you think hopefully uh he has a hong sang su like effect on you different filmmaker, different yeah. filmmaker I, I yeah I, I have a feeling he's a little but like i've read the plot of phoenix and i've had like a couple people suggest that film to me before you and i've mm-hmm. like been there are film critics that i like so like if if uh, the other films are like the, I'm excited. I am like really. I want to get into a new filmmaker. Yeah, always fun. Always always a treat to get to do a deep dive on 
a new filmmaker. Uh, the week after that, Scott Scott returns with Global and Local Crimes Part 2. 2017's All the Money in the World and 2021's House of Gucci. Mm. Now, I recognize there is a movie that came between those two, but I kind of wanted to... I felt these two had a fun thematic parallel with each other. Yeah. And I think for our final to get us up to date with Ridley Scott, there of course one movie in the can waiting release and one movie being shot right now. But to get us up to date, I do feel the last duel should be our final movie covered. Yeah. There's a lot there's a lot riding on the last duel. There's a lot I, like I feel yeah. I think uh, the will culminate a few aspects of our show, I feel, mm-hmm. with The Last Duel. So we're going to take a look at all the money in the world in House of Gucci. Uh, House of Gucci we've previously covered uh, on the show, but we're going to take a second look at House of Gucci. A um, Both all the money in the world, both like and House of Gucci, maybe had more of an impact on culture, the culture at large. Mm-hmm. And like twitter people than they did in that as actual movies and um you know we'll see yeah i, we'll I see. like that i like that theory i think you're right to have, yeah especially like when you think about the people involved in both films and yeah i mean house of gucci was like meme city yep like the proto barbie <laughs> yeah in a sense. yeah and all the money in the world of course has a very interesting um kind of controversy news about it that combines both um, very, very of-the-moment cultural issues mm-hmm. with uh, of-the-moment technology, mm-hmm. with, with how they resolved the cultural controversy within this movie. Um, we'll talk about all of that in two weeks, though. Uh, all the money in the world can be rented and it's on disc, uh, House of Gucci is on Prime, MGM Plus can be rented, and is on disc. We should also note, I think I forgot to mention, um, hopefully you haven't been saving your first screening of Top Gun Maverick for when we covered it. But um, uh, Yeah, give it a watch a, first. Top Gun Maverick is on Prime, it's on Paramount Plus, it's on MGM Plus, it can be rented, it's on disc. It's very difficult not to find. Yeah, it's uh, in the ether. It it remains, you know, a year later, a pretty key movie of the moment. Mm. Uh, but fun talk, fun doing this whole Bruckheimer Simpson thing. Feels like mm-hmm. it's been a long. Like, just think about the Rock episode when Simpson died. It was like, feels like six months ago. Probably was. <laughs> if you <laughs> like think Jerry Bruckheimer should be condemned. For cinematic crimes check in with us at the academy academy podcast at gmail.com or on twitter at the academy or on letterboxd you can see all my five-star reviews for jerry bruckheimer movies Ooh. um i don't think he should be i think um final thought I feel like jerry springer final thought um i don't think his movies were obviously culturally highbrow Mm-hmm. They may have celebrated some um, of the seedier or more base aspects. They may have been jingoistic. Mm-hmm. But they had a life and a verve and a spark. 
that still made them like made by people with a people's ideas you may have disagreed with those ideas but they were real it felt tactile still yes and, yeah. and like and that's maybe one of top gun maverick's greatest successes is it harkens back to a time when cinema still felt tactile and still felt like you were you know felt like um people building things and like I, yeah, I, it, yeah handmade craft which yes. i think here at the academy academy we may appreciate more than cultural responsibility <laughs> yeah for better or for worse for better yeah. or worse <laughs> it's like uh the thoughts uh positive in this film are probably not great but man look at those sets yeah <laughs> i think that uh, we take um heartfelt lowbrow over perhaps bloodless highbrow yeah or you know the horrible future to come, the the, the bloodless lowbrow. You look at Transformers down the line. It's true. Yes, that yeah. is still to come. And all these movies are so damn long. We'll get to it and then some Ooh. on the in the weeks to come on the Academy Academy. So for Patrick, I'm done. We will see you next week on the show. Uh fanboy out. Talk talk to me, Patrick. Talk to me, Patrick. Silence. Shit. I'm going to crash in this oh, mountain. I've always <laughs> seen you as a father figure, Don. Ah, <laughs> I don't know. I got, I got bad news. I don't know. I'm actually the worst pilot in the world. <laughs> oh, no. I should have I hung out with Hondo. Yeah. On the beach. <laughs> even, Hondo, even Hondo gets a touchdown. Oh, Hondo rules. I love Hondo. That's my Hondo, favorite. Bob. Yeah. Oh, all those guys. I think, we're, I think that's our jobs. And if we were in the movie, I think we're Hondo and Bob. Yeah, I'm. Oh, I'm definitely Hondo. I am the one guy wearing a shirt on the beach. <laughs> great, yeah. a great uh, little detail. That's great. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Goose has got a shirt in the beach volleyball scene. I'm still really perplexed by the whole Maverick wearing jeans during the beach volleyball scene then no shower to drive his motorcycle over to his date with kelly mcgillis yeah he's yeah. sandy and smelly yeah yeah take hit the shower maverick hit yeah the, shower. <laughs> the starry night the campfire light the coyote call The howling winds will So I'll ride out To the old sundown Get back.